1: This is the best of two pros in a couple of Joe with Lavar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio.
2: How about that for a weekend of NFL football there, LeVar Arrington? How about it? On Saturday, you, TJ Hushmanzada. And Plexigo Burris. You guys have uh, the show up on game. We're, we're the warm up show before you come on. No, nah, that's not true. Listen, uh, you know, you guys are the are the main course, and then I'm like, uh, you know, one of those like little dessert trays they bring out afterwards. <laughs> and they go, all right, do you want like a half, <laughs> half a piece of cheesecake <laughs> for $78? Oh, you know, something like that. But um, you guys were talking about the situation, and TJ Hushmanzada who a uh, longtime Cincinnati Bengal, actually a Baltimore Raven he as well, too. was a too. Baltimore Raven, yep. And uh, TJ had this to say here on Saturday. This was on Up On Game with Lamar Arrington, TJ Plexigo
0: Burris on Fox Sports Radio. They feel Lamar's ready to play. That's not my opinion. I was told this. They feel Lamar's ready to play and he's not playing. And they offer Lamar the second most guaranteed money in the history of the NFL. That was behind Deshaun Watson. Obviously, Lamar wants a fully guaranteed contract, and so that's why it's the second most guaranteed money in the history of the league because they're not going to guarantee the entirety of the contract. Lamar wants a guaranteed contract. The NFLPA is pushing for him to get a guaranteed contract. I don't believe the Ravens are going to fold on that and give him a fully guaranteed contract. And so now you're playing this game of cat and mouse, and who's going to come out on top? The Ravens need Lamar Jackson. That's the problem. When he plays, they win. When he plays, they average over 20 points a game. When he does not play, they don't win as much, and they average, I believe it's like 10 points less within another quarterback than Lamar Jackson. And when Lamar Jackson one MVP, the Ravens have had three years to show him we want you to be our long-term quarterback, and they've yet to do that. You've had so much time, and you can say, yeah, Lamar's ready to play. He may be ready to play, but Lamar's not going to play because he feels like what I want and what I feel I've earned and deserve, you're not giving it to me.
2: Mm. So that was T.J. Hushmanzada from up on game with Lamar Arrington, uh,
3: uh, T.J. and Flexi O'Barris this past Saturday. They average over 20 points? Yeah. They scored 17 yesterday. They're winning that game
2: if Lamar Jackson's in the game. I mean, that's – like we can – you know, people can try and spin it any way they want to talk about it. But if Lamar Jackson is healthy enough to play in that game or if he's willing to play in that game with his health being what it
3: is – I think Baltimore wins that game. And I I, I I agree. I couldn't agree more. I agree. I, I just. Th- and then it makes you think after hearing that type of a soundbite, it makes you wonder, did he achieve, did he accomplish what he set out to do? Which is, okay, you don't want to pay me? Here's what happens. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network uh, said this morning that, they do
2: still view Lamar Jackson as their franchise quarterback, and they are going to try and sign him to a long-term deal this offseason. Well, that's cool and all. They tried that last offseason, and it didn't work. It feels, and he was healthy. Yeah, and and it, it feels like we're heading in a direction where somewhat f- franchised, probably going to happen if they can't get that deal done, and then we just continue to play this thing out. and you can you see a similar comp to that when it comes to Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott did the same thing. And what's interesting is Dak Prescott after he signed the franchise tag, ended up suffering that injury, broke his broke his leg. And they still gave him
3: a Yeah. But it wasn't the most no it wasn't the most lucrative contract. And it wasn't the most guaranteed money contract. And I got news you got to for keep you. That in mind,
2: uh, Lamar Jackson's better than Dak Prescott. He's a former MVP. And if anybody's got a a conversation to have about the type of money that you want, he's had a better career. Like Lamar Jackson's better than Deshaun Watson. He has had a better career, career. He's got more credentials than Deshaun Watson. I can understand why Lamar Jackson is asking for what he's asking for. I just don't know that Baltimore. He's going to budge off where they were, and then that brings up the discussion. Then what happens long-term with Lamar?
3: What happens long-term is he's going to play under the franchise tag for as long as they can do so, and it's going to be a long, painful process that he's going to have to go through. It's almost like they can leverage the franchise tag to force Lamar Jackson into understanding that you need – to take the contract they are offering you there is no loss there is absolutely no loss in getting the second highest guaranteed contract of a quarterback in the league there is no loss in that there's no loss and and in the end you you solidify you solidify any type of doubt just because you, I mean, listen. Deshaun Watson has that that fully guaranteed contract. There are other quarterbacks that are that can you can say are better than than Deshaun Watson in the league right now. They do not have a higher guaranteed contract than Deshaun Watson. So Lamar Jackson is not alone in that sentiment listen, and that feeling. Deshaun Watson's the third best quarterback in his own division. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like like Burrow's better, Lamar Jackson's better. Like I mean other than that you got Kenny Pickett and and it's still, still, third in the process. Yeah. still third best. But that's still third best. And and that's that's the the contract he got. I just let, let me ask you this though. If because, you know, the discussion about is he going to get a long term deal, uh, you know, what he's going to get from Baltimore, the franchise tag, like putting that because that's going to be a discussion point until something gets done or if nothing gets done, that'll still be the conversation throughout the course of the offseason. But when it comes to TJ saying they feel he can play and he's not playing.
3: I think that sours the relationship.
2: I, I see, and, and and I agree with you. And I wonder, how does that land for teammates? Because, look, I, I've heard you and Brady talk about this before, to where when a teammate is having a discussion about a contractor wants to get paid, you want all of your teammates to make as much money as possible. But when it comes to a playoff game, and you got a guy who can play, but he's choosing not to because of the contract, and then you find out that the money he was offered is leaps and bounds more than anybody else on that team is making, how would that land with you as a teammate of Lamar Jackson?
3: Yeah, I, I think that'll hit different guys in a different way. Some will care about it. Some won't. Some will say, you know, stay out of his pocket and his business affairs, keep it football. And some some will say that it's selfish. There there will be all kinds of different opinions but I think I think at this point, and and professionals, they're aware. We've always known it's a business once you get to the league, but I think guys are way more aware, way more enlightened earlier about the business, how deep of a business it is to be a National Football League football player. So while I will say some people may have had hard feelings about it because – Well, obviously, they would probably be preparing for this upcoming week's game because they would have probably knocked off the Bengals. I think they would be upset. I think there's some people that harbor hard feelings because they're sitting in that locker room like, if we had Lamar, we would have won this game, 100%. But I think where it really hits is with Harbaugh, with the coaching staff, with the owner, Brashotti. I think it really hits those guys really hard because you could tell by the sound bites that that Harbaugh was having in the weeks upcoming weeks to to the playoffs that he believed that Lamar Jackson was going to be available. I think if you in his heart of hearts, you could hear it in his voice that he thought and expected and anticipated that Lamar Jackson would rise up and step up and be ready to play in the playoffs. We did too on this show. Everybody like, said that. Everybody we, we thought
2: it. when he didn't play the final week of the season, it was like, okay, well, that's you're probably him smart. An extra yeah, week. Yeah, yeah buy him an extra week. week. That'll put him at this, at the six week mark. And then he'll be ready for the playoff game. And I think we even asked the question on this show do you think Lamar Jackson plays uh, in the postseason? I think we all said yes. yes I think we all because yeah, yes. you think yeah, that's that's Lamar. He's gonna he's gonna go out there. He's gonna gut it out. Nobody questions the guy's toughness, but. Man, like, to, just to see the the comments from TJ, who is not going to sit here and just make up a story on the air. No, like, he's no, not. He's connected no, no. to both organizations,
3: yeah. the Bengals well and the Ravens, and people people talk to him. Yeah,
2: and yeah, and, and, and the idea. So him coming out and saying that, I think, just completely changes the discussion to where now, okay, th- this this really is about business, and if he was able to play and didn't play. That that's that's the one thing I wonder. How does that land for other people well, within the team? And
3: then you could tell by the tone that Harbaugh took in his interviews after this became common knowledge. Even them asking him about the the tweet that that Lamar Jackson gave. Like you're giving an update, which by the way, it 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 was a it was a bad decision on Baltimore's part to not report. What his what his current state was, for the simple fact that if it was if it was taking this long for them to get to the same page, they had to have an idea from his practice what what or lack thereof in practicing that where this was or wasn't going. And and soon as I saw that Lamar wasn't practicing, I would have got out ahead of this, because the further you get, the closer you get to the game and he's not practicing, the more questions you're going to have to ask and answer in terms of what's going on with Lamar Jackson. He's your best player. Why do you guys not have more explanation on what's going on with him?
2: Did you feel the same? Because I I thought that them being as vague as they were about the injury update was them playing – Kind of being a little bit coy about the fact that, yeah, he's going to be out there for the postseason, but we don't want to let on the fact that he is going to be available for the postseason. It's very possible. I I thought that was where we were headed with all this. And then now you look back and you just go, the whole, the handling
3: of it was so odd. Like the the messaging was weird. uh, It makes it It horribly, I got to be honest, it makes it a very, very bad look for Baltimore. That Lamar Jackson was the one who came out and said what his prognosis and what his current state was health wise. It's a bad look. It's odd, man. And it- so, well, and then now, it to me, it it exposes an unraveling of a relationship, and I've been a part of a, a degeneration of <laughs> of, a, of a relationship. Believe you me. And it can it can go bad quick, boom done. It's done. But
2: do you see your guy RG three commented on it? What did he say? Uh, well, just basically that Lamar Jackson's doing the right thing. Don't go out there and risk a further injury. That's what he uh, said. And he posted a picture of uh, himself, um, you know, oh, uh, so playing with with, him, huh? with the torn ligaments in the playoff game in Washington,
3: and how it changed the course of his career. Well, uh, it did. Yeah, it definitely did. But man. RG three, huh? Gotta, well, still it's gotta, working. On, it's got to be about RG three. Still, huh?
2: still working on that book though. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen, uh, haven't seen that book release I yet. I don't have any.
3: I, I don't have anything <laughs> for that. But what I will say is, if that is indeed the case, then this should be a pretty interesting off season because oh, yeah. your your season has come to an end, and basically a guy that is the franchise of your team. You're not paying him what he wants to be paid as the franchise. He's not playing because he doesn't have the contract, and you have to live with what just took place. And somebody, whether it's the owner, whether it's the head coach, whether it's all of the above, they're all, and let's include Lamar Jackson, they're all upset. Everybody's upset.
2: You you remember when Jay Cutler left the NFC title game because he hurt his knee? And there were some people that said he could have came back. Oh, yeah. he could have came back in. And then you go back and you look, and he tried to play after he suffered the injury, and it was a legitimate MCL injury. He couldn't finish the game, and he got buried by people for that. And then Carson Wentz who in a playoff game with the Eagles, his first playoff game with Philly after they won that Super Bowl, Carson Wentz actually called himself out of the game against Seattle because he took a hit to the back of the head from Jadevian Clowney. And there were some people that said, man, in a playoff game, you called yourself out for a concussion. When when the thought was, man, there's a lot of players who would have just kept their mouth shut because they wanted to play in the game. Well, that was in the middle of games in the playoffs. Lamar didn't even get to that point. No, nope.
3: Lamar didn't make it to
2: the nah. to the city. Yeah, he, he didn't even travel. So I just if, if other players get criticized in the middle of playoff games from
3: not being able to continue. What about somebody who's not even able to travel I, to the game? I, I mean, I don't I don't think you're calling for that. I think you're pointing out the obvious, but I just got to be honest with you. I do. I mean, it's probably coming it's it's probably well on its way where the idea because the the people who's going to hit the worst, the people who's going to rub the wrong way the worst is going to be the fans. It's going to be the fans that are rubbed the wrong way by this. And it could go either way. They could support they could support Lamar Jackson in this or they could go against Lamar Jackson. Either way, um it's not it just doesn't seem like internally at the Ravens facility
2: Our fans and uh, our our loyal listeners on the Yallahorn of the Twin Cities K-Fan in Minneapolis, Mm. you just kind of got the sense that there was some doubt about the legitimacy of the Minnesota Vikings throughout the course of the year. Uh, Our uh, Lord and Savior Scott Shapiro is a diehard Minnesota Vikings Mm -hmm. fan. He had zero confidence in the Vikings all season long. Zero. Every time I talked to him about it, it was like they hadn't won a game all year. I'm thinking to myself man, they've won a lot of games. No faith whatsoever. And it felt like that was going to be a difficult test for them to get the Giants back when the Giants played them really well. It was a 61-yard field goal that was the difference between the Vikings-Giants game uh, a few weeks ago. And we tried to tell everybody early on in the season, old dump truck nuts himself, Brian Dayball, sky should be the coach of the year. He goes into Minnesota and has taken Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, who are on the verge of having their careers written as quote-unquote busts, and has turned them in to divisional round competitors. And now they get an Eagles team that they play really, really well. A division game, a third time, and a third crack at Philly. Kudos to the New York Giants, although I don't think anybody in Minnesota is that surprised with the result
3: based on some of the reactions that we've seen from Vikings fans. Did we? Did we pick the Giants to win that game, Lee? I know we did over unders and all that stuff. Did are we on file? Is it on record as to who chose this, took this upset? Well, I took Minnesota. I can tell you that for sure. Oh, you took Minnesota, one hundred (laughs) percent.
2: Come on, Lavar, you did take uh, the Giants in this one. Yeah, I thought I did.
1: Took the money line.
3: I thought I did. Okay. No, Saquon Barkley to Penn State. Well, um, I mean Saquon Barkley had a day, and I think the the point of what I was making and going into this game is that their run defense is out of the top, what, 15? It was like ranked 17th or 19th, something to that effect. Their passing defense was 31st. How many teams are there in the league, Jonas? Uh, there's 32. Okay. yeah, They were almost the champion of the worst defense, pass defense in the league. Almost 32nd. So if you're looking at it from a critical eye, there was a very, very strong opportunity for this Giants team to take advantage of a very porous uh, Vikings defense. And, and you know what? They kept the game close. They controlled, they controlled the ball on the ground. They were able to make some plays. The game plan seemed to work very well for, for this Giants team. And and to your point of them now facing the the Philadelphia Eagles, the Eagles did not come roaring into the playoffs. No, and they had a bye week. Now that could mean a lot of different things. They could get healthier. They could have some time to rest. That is that's not could. That is truth. But this this is the could that exists here. Is that they could be a team that lost or hit their peak, so to speak, for this season maybe two, three weeks ago. And there's the possibility that they could be had by a, a divisional opponent, a divisional rival at that. They are very familiar with one another. It is a literally a train ride away or bus to, to one another. So all things given, this is going to be a barn burner it will be one of the most entertaining playoff games that we see this season uh,
2: it's going to be fantastic Here, here's the other thing I would say on Minnesota that you brought up um, people are going to try and point to Kirk Cousins well he threw short of the first down mark uh, with the game on the line I get all that and Kirk Cousins gets picked on a lot Kirk Cousins is not the problem Right. Justin Jefferson's not the problem. Offensively, I I I don't look at that as that being the issue with the Vikings. Their defense has been bad for a long time. For a, for a while now, their defense has been bad. Bro, they're giving up almost six yards per play this season. So every single time you face the Vikings, on average, you're picking up six yards. Think about that. <laughs> like imagine that's your defense. That you know, no matter what, you're facing a team that's going to pick up six yards a clip on every single play of that game. And you watched yesterday. They had no answers for Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, I think the stat was he picked up, what, the first seven first downs of the game? He was the
3: leading rusher in the game.
2: Yeah, he was fantastic. And you look at that and you go... Damn, we can sit here and try and make fun of Kirk Cousins because he's got OCD and all that stuff, and it's well, it's outside the 1 p.m. Eastern Time window, and blah 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 blah. Man, until their defense gets fixed, I don't, I don't know what you expect. I don't look at that team as saying they've got a Kirk Cousins problem, they've got a defensive problem, and until they get that fixed, it, you're just going to end up with the same results. I mean, either they're losing in the wild card round, or they'll they'll win a wild card game on the road, and then going into the divisional round, they'll lose that game. It just like this has been the same story with the Minnesota Vikings for a significant amount of time. And people listening in Minnesota right now, you know what we're talking about. You felt it. That's why the confidence level was so low. With the Giants, though, damn, what a turnaround. Yeah. J- just to see what Brian Dayball has done with that team and with that roster and with that organization and you played for the Giants seeing them in the playoffs again
3: it feels good it's great yeah, it like, feels good. that Swando was one those feel good the
2: yes. first playoff win in a decade the last time we saw them in the postseason the Gi- it was the boat game of the you know they went to Lambeau field they got beat by the packers that was when Odell Beckham Jr and those guys were wearing Timberlands on some on some yacht in Miami during during their day- downtime before the playoffs like you just you you look at that situation and you go to take it from where they were in which Daniel Jones was perceived to be a, a guy that wasn't going to be there long term Saquon Barkley was hey man let's just hope he can stay healthy and go somewhere else where they can protect him and now those guys are dynamic and that team's a fun ass watch on offense and to see what has done with them is absolutely fantastic man it, it
3: was a very very well matched up game and if you think about it, some of the, the tales of the tape, some of the reasons why the game went the way that it, it went are kind of pronounced. And listen, the offense isn't void of blame. Now, While I will say it's one of those things where their defense was vulnerable for the taking, you had to slow their offense down for it to work the way that you were you wanted it to work against this Minnesota team. You had to win on third down. They did. They won on third downs. On third down efficiency, out of ten opportunities, the Vikings only got four. They only converted four third downs out of ten. That's significant. That is super significant. On fourth down, they were they were only one of two. Which you know to to think that fourth downs are super important, especially when you think about in a in a pro game a. Playoff game, you went for it on on fourth down three times. You know, the, the, the Minnesota Vikings did it two times. You know how many times they got first down? 100%. 100%. Yeah. So the efficiency in which the way that they operated on the New York Giants side of the ball, while you can look at the stat line as being pretty comparable between Daniel Jones and... And Kirk Cousins as it applied to passing the ball. It was it was significant significantly close. Both of them had you know two TDs on the day, no interceptions, so they protected the ball. Seemingly they did what they were supposed to do in managing the game. The difference is your boy Daniel Jones was toting the hell out of that rock. He ain't look like Daniel Jones out there. He looked like Josh Allen out there. That's what he looked like. He looked like a different dude out there. He gave them yards where they needed yards. And as you mentioned, Saquon didn't have a crazy day statistically on the books, only going for 53 yards. But the one thing that you can say – He's great out of the backfield catching the ball, though. He can catch the ball out of the backfield – and he can give you those good hard yards that you need and sometimes he can break loose and give you an explosive play that you need as well. It was just a it was just a very to me a very well executed game plan by by Dayball and the New York Giants team.
2: And, and also uh, look I'm, I'm sure you know Saquon pretty well being a uh, I don't know if you know this but he went to Penn, Sp- Penn, Penn State Penn yeah. State? Sp- yeah. Yeah. That one too okay. um, but uh, he did go to Penn State okay. and uh-huh. so when you just see Saquon Barkley and you see where his career was headed the injuries obviously frustrated um, started off hot and then you just saw up and down it's just never stay healthy. Just injuries, yeah. Now he's healthy. They're in the playoffs. And he's picking up big big yards in big moments on big stages. And just to see where his career could have been and where it is now, based on one year, yeah, you got to be happy,
3: happy for, for the guy. Him. Absolutely awesome. you are. That's awesome. Because that's perseverance. And he said this was his year to get back to where he wanted to be. And I'll tell you what's even more interesting about this, this uh this climb for him is for all of the things that he's gone through and and, and all of the things that he's accomplished. The interesting thing about it is the guy that was behind him when he was on his meteoric rise as a football player at Penn State was Miles Sanders. So interestingly or oddly enough, Miles Sanders could arguably be having a better NFL career than the guy he had to back up while he was in school and the significance of that conversation is they go head to head this upcoming week. Yep. So there will be a lot of pride and and a lot of <laughs> want wanting. It's a it's a friendly rivalry to think that Saquon and Miles were in the same backfield in State College and now they're going to be on one of the bigger stages in the college or excuse me in the uh, the NFL playoffs uh the divisional round. So there that I mean it's a great storyline. It's exciting and you couldn't be more happier and proud of if you're especially if you're a Penn Stater uh of of the perseverance that that Saquon has exercised and shown. Uh it's paid off and it's always nice to see it when it pays off. We are. That's right, Penn yeah. State. That's right. That's what I'm talking about.
1: Polly Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo. As you all know, we're the host of the number one rated show in all of sports talk, the Polly and Tony Fusco show. Numero uno. Yeah, and we know why millions of people tune in every week. Yeah. They want to hear us talk sports, not our idiot guests who think they know more about sports than we do. Yeah, listen to these dummies. You don't know crap about sports. Nothing. Uh, you don't know
0: nothing
1: about football. This
0: is the worst thing Wait, I've ever
1: heard of. Off the show, oh, the show. You don't know basketball. If you you wanna hear how sports talk should be done? Yeah. Listen to the Polly and Tony Fusco show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: so it's uh, been a crazy w- recap of a weekend. Easy for me to say in the NFL because you got playoff action, you got wild card weekend, you got another game coming up later on between the Bucks and the Cowboys. You got all the storylines of that game and everything that's playing out. And then you go back to what happened on Saturday night. And for people listening on our fine affiliate in Los Angeles, the Blowtorch AM five seventy LA Sports. I don't know how to properly describe the gag job that was put together by the
3: LA Chargers. What the f was that?
2: They that game
3: was I don't I don't even I don't even I can't even comprehend. It was it was like, yep, they came in ready. No no issues here as as thought to be. Herbert Herbert would show that you know he's a superior dude. It's his time, and let's go. And, and instead of that being the case, we we jumped on on Trevor Lawrence. He wasn't ready. The moment was too big for him. Who who turns the ball over that much? This is total. Uh, this is a total indictment on the coaching staff and to what it's for, what it's worth. It's a total indictment on the, on their team, their players, their personnel to allow that type of a performance to take place where you, <laughs> you, you, you're handily winning the game and then you lose the game. Like that's, I, I don't know how, you, and, and you want to talk about coach of the year for day ball, how about Doug Peterson? Oh yeah, he deserves He's a lot of credit. He's got to be up in that conversation as yeah. well.
2: Yeah. I mean, w- when you're the Chargers and and let's listen to Brandon Staley. Here he was post game uh, just talking about the meltdown.
0: Yeah, I mean, anytime you you're up 27 to 7 at halftime and you've got four takeaways and you end up winning the takeaway margin for nothing, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a killer. Uh, I'm
2: hurting for everybody in that locker room. It's a special group of guys and you know, this is the toughest way that you can lose, you know, in the playoffs. And when the backstory is the situation with Mike Williams and telling everybody you're going to play your starters the final week of the season, even though you had nothing to play for, he's one of your best receiving threats. And then he goes out and legitimately breaks his back and... Brandon Staley was on local radio uh, in Los Angeles w- with Petros and Money, rather um, our friend Petros Papadakis on AM five seventy LA Sports. And Monday after the game, uh, the final game of the season, was talking about. Well, it looks like you dodged a bullet; it just spasmed up on him, and uh, we expect him to be out there coming up on Saturday night. I mm. uh, wasn't a few days later. Now uh, he, he broke his back, legitimately broke his back. So when you've got all of that. You've got people questioning his decisions and going for it on fourth down at times when he does. People questioning his decision making. The final game of last season when they had an opportunity to go to the playoffs against the Raiders and and people looked at what he his plan and his attack and his approach in that game. When you when you have all of that, and then on top of it, you've got the Sean Payton stuff that's swirling out there, and Justin Herbert and all the other things that are taking place. This just feels like we're heading in a direction where it would not be the most surprising thing in the world. And I think, actually, at this point, people probably expect this to happen, that Brandon Staley is going to be gone as Chargers head coach either some point today or at some point this week. Because that, that's a brutal, brutal that's end to a embarrassing, season. embarrassing That's what a, it is. It's, it's awful. And, look, Trevor Lawrence... Was giving you the football game in the first half. gave it to you. All right. Never mind the fact that Trevor Lawrence to me still looks like that guy uh, who was in the painting of Ghostbusters too. Mm. All right, the, wh- whatever that guy was who who climbed out of the painting, yep. the evil guy. That's Trevor Lawrence. People can try and tell me whatever they want and say no, no, that's a, no, that's one hundred percent Trevor Lawrence. Guy was in a painting in Ghostbusters too. Look it up yourself. You don't believe me, but Tre- he was doing everything he could to give that game. Four it was, turnovers. It was. It was. T- at, l- giving them the football. Literally. And still, you figured out a way to melt down in that game and fall apart. And Doug Peterson's play call on fourth down, when it looked like they were going to QB sneak it, and he had that little, uh, that, that fancy little run play that picked up chunk yardage, and they went down and they kicked the field goal. And I'm not saying that it's 100% on Brandon Staley because, man look Justin Herbert and Miss Keenan Allen in the end zone There was a missed field goal in that game. Like, there were other moments. Joey Bosa had a little bit of a meltdown, right or wrong. There were some questionable calls. But it still goes back to the same conversation that people were having about Brandon Staley. He's a little bit too reckless at times. You question some of his decision-making, and then you question his handling of the final week of the season, Mike Williams getting injured, and here we are after a 27 to nothing lead. We're talking about this team making a head coaching change. That's crazy.
3: I just don't think you can get around the idea that your team would be up twenty-seven to nothing and still lose that game. I just can't. There's, there's no, there's no way. Like, what justification? What justification is there for something like that to take place, Lee? Is there any way that we could get what is the record comeback and what is the biggest deficit in the playoffs?
2: Well, it's uh, Bills Oilers back in the day. Remember that one? What was it? 35 35 3, I believe, was the score in that game.
3: 35 3, and this was 27 (laughs) to nothing. It was close. (laughs) Okay. It was close. That's it's, gotta rank up there. Yeah, it's 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 gotta rank up.
2: Yeah, there. it it's awful. And just again, like the backstory leading into it and, and all the other things that are out there, and it's gonna take a little bit. If you wanna hire Sean Payton as your coach, and, and I hate calling for coaches' jobs. I don't like to play that game at all, but That's w- bad. But when you just see when the Mike Williams news came out, the thought from people that I talked to locally, because I was doing the show with Petros on Friday here in Los Angeles, and and the conversations I was having with other people at the station was like, man, if they go out and lose this game, and in part it's because Justin Herbert isn't able to get anything going downfield, and it's the loss of Mike Williams, we could be looking at Brandon Staley being out as head coach because of his decision to play Mike Williams.
3: And then to this, see, but this far exceeds percent oh, The like, decision to to play 100%. Mike Williams and him cuz you still were able to come into the game and coach your way to a 27 nothing lead going into halftime. Going into halftime in a playoff game. They so Jacksonville on the sc- road.
2: Jacksonville scored late in the first half and there was okay, there, okay, right. That's a, right. A point where they tried this fancy little end around that almost resulted in a fumble, and then that like, sort of steered the momentum in the other, other direction. But you still had a 27-7
3: lead. Left, right? But here's uh, the thing, right? Here's the thing. When they came out in the second half, and you saw Jacksonville's defensive players jumping around, and this uh, that and I said, O.S., and and y'all y'all look up what OS means if you don't know what OS means. But I said it out loud like OS, oh, like they came out of the locker room turned hyped up, and then you see just this vanilla cream wafer ice cream offense of play calling, and I was like, that's too conservative. It's it's not what what you did to get yourself here. It's too conservative, and sure enough, it's like oh no. And then sure enough, it's like oh no, oh 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 no. Are you, are you kidding me? What a meltdown, man! What a complete meltdown. I I just don't. How do you survive this as a coach?
2: I I don't think you do. Um, I I. I would be shocked. Now, of course, Justin Herbert's come out and defended Brandon Staley and say, you know, anybody would be lucky to have him as a head coach and all that. But I just think that there was enough buzz just be careful. and enough backstory. Take care of yourself. With, with all the other things going on with Brandon Staley that to me, Sean Payton's out there. the from all accounts, this is the job that Sean Payton would covet most, with the opportunity to work for Justin, uh, with work with Justin Herbert and take over that team and be in LA and all that. Who the hell knows if they're going to want to pull the trigger on that and try and get something done because it would cost them a little bit. But all all those conversations that people were having, hey, if they lose this game because of the Mike Williams stuff, because of his other decisions, like people forget there was a a, a point in time this year where the Chargers were playing the Browns in Cleveland and Brandon Staley at midfield with uh, under two minutes left, or uh, like I think there was under two minutes. It might've been under a minute left. Brandon Staley at midfield went for it on fourth and one and got, and got stopped. (laughs) And Cleveland took over needing a field goal to win the game at, at, Midfield with a minute left, when Brandon Staley, conventional wisdom would be Take punt it. the ball away,
3: make have to go the length and the make field.
2: Jacoby Brissett, who had been struggling all game, have to go the length of the field to try and to try and win this game. And instead, he gave them the ball back at midfield, and the only reason they survived is because Cade York missed that kick. So it's not even just the moments that burn them. It's the moments that they should have been burned that other teams weren't able to capitalize on that you have to also throw into the discussion, which is why we're even at this point. The fact that we're talking about a coach who got his team to the playoffs – and now we're looking at potentially him being out of a job because the way he coaches and, and manages the clock and mismanages the clock, if you will, it just the whole thing's terrible. And it just makes me wonder how long before we get the news that they're going to be moving on from from Brandon Staley and going in the direction of what a lot of people would assume would be Sean Payton. And if what's, they can afford
3: what's even more interesting is the fact that Doug Peterson and his coaching staff corralled those guys at halftime and rallied them and sold them a bill of goods that they could win that game. They never gave up. They never quit. They came storming back and they they gave Duvall something to be excited about. And, you know, this is one of those I was it was it Q that said this? Whoever comes out of this game is a dangerous team. I think it was Brady that said that. Whoever won that game and came out of that game was going to be a dangerous team moving forward in in the playoffs and could even see them getting another like getting a big win in the playoffs moving past this game and I I don't you know I don't feel like Jacksonville was all that impressive as a as a total whole but if that second half is any indication of okay we spotted these these Bama's a a a, a half. Yeah. We spotted you. We're not spotting anybody the rest of the way. This is how we're going to play. This is we need to come out like we did in the second half the rest of the way. If they do that, they could become a super dangerous team in the playoffs as well and moving forward, almost like a Cincinnati Bengal type of kind of transformation.
2: And also Trevor Lawrence going through that. But then rebounding the way that he did, it's almost like he went through his early struggles and then it snapped himself out of it and it was like, Okay, now now I'm ready to go. And he was able to survive that. A lot of quarterbacks look, Lamar Jackson has been labeled that, that he
3: can't get it done in the postseason because his first two trips, they were one and done. Well, Jordan it, Herbert is on right. two.
2: And 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 Herbert This uh, is
3: his second time going one and done too, right? No, this is his first, time, first in, in, time in the playoffs. Yeah. Like they should have who who they who was that? They went one and done with Staley before, before uh, Herbert, didn't they? No. Or was that with a different quarter? I know they what the last time they were in the playoffs. oh, I could be wrong.
2: Last yeah. time they were in the playoffs, it was uh, I, I forget who their quarter. It was with Anthony Lynn, I believe, was the coach. Correct. if I'm not mistaken. But I I think okay. I think it was Philip Rivers.
3: Yeah, I think it was Philip Rivers. Was it was still Phillip? yeah? Right. It was a little. But while they ago. went out in the first round. Correct. Um, it doesn't, doesn't matter. But it doesn't like matter.
2: you look at the situation and you go, if, if you're Trevor Lawrence. Like, you got to get over those early jitters and early struggles and then still found a way to come back and win the game. And he played fantastic the second half. I mean, it was the complete opposite from first half to second half. And that really should be one of the bigger stories coming out of that game is seeing a guy in his first playoff game have those sorts of hiccups survive and play the way he did in the second half. But it's unfortunately that's not the biggest story. The biggest story is the meltdown for the Chargers and the head coach that everybody's looking at is is part of the reason why this team is where they're at and, and why they could be looking in the direction of Sean Payton to, to replace him at some point. Who knows, maybe this week.
3: So how, how many years ago was that, Lee? Oh,
2: it was twenty eighteen. They had beaten the Ravens in the
3: wild card and yeah, lost to the Patriots while. in the division. That's a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's all right.
2: It was Lamar Jackson's first playoff game. And the bolts got him.
3: The bolts Those got Those bolts.
2: Him. Uh, and also, uh, when Eddie Garcia is back, we'll get an update. Uh, his wife is a diehard Chargers fan and was, was not having a great time. Mm. Not having
3: a great time. That's probably why Eddie's not in today.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 oh,